Yo, let's see. Let's see if we're here. I, I apologize about the delay, everybody. I uh, was having some issues here that caught uh, caught me getting on here a little bit late. But happy Sunday, everybody. This is Cody Barton. Happy to uh, have each and every one of you here tonight. Um, we are only a couple weeks left in this year, and then we are in 2023. Uh, excited to be here. Hope everyone's had a good weekend so far and is excited to have a great rest of the year. So we are going to dive right in tonight. Um, since I was late for all of you, apologize about that again. Um, we're we're going to dive into the topic. So can everybody hear me? I had somebody said I cannot hear Cody. So I'm curious. I just want to make sure everybody can hear. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Awesome. Yep. Sounds like everybody can hear well. All righty. So we're going to be talking about what do buyers really want when it comes to selling them deals? Like if we're, if you're, you know, if you are in a, uh, you know, and I'm gonna, we're going to, we're going to take this basic and we'll go, you know, we'll take some questions around this tonight as well. Um, but you know, obviously times have changed, you know, we're in a little bit different of a market than we were six months, nine months, 12 months ago, as interest rates have went up, uh, from, you know, three, as low as 3% close to the beginning of the year, upwards about the peak this year of a little bit over 7%. Things have changed, you know, obviously, uh, depending on the market that you're in, you've likely seen days on market begin to creep up uh, in your local market that you're in for properties that are for sale. And you've likely seen more inventory starting to come on the market as well. And so when we're obviously looking at a market that's starting to shift, it becomes ever more important to be building relationships with buyers, building relationships with those people that are going to be buying the deals that you have. And so I'm going to uh, really focus more so around creative finance deals tonight uh, is in regards to, you know, dispositioning those types of deals. Um, you know, we'll touch on some cash deals as well, but really around creative finance uh, in selling those off to buyers. Um, and so, there's uh I just saw a funny comment. So New Life Kenya says, seems like realtors are not getting the memo or they have their poker face on. <laughs> and somebody that said run a cat, what is that? Run a cat six wire to your computer from the modem. I actually have someone coming tomorrow to my house to do this. God bless. Jolie says, my DSCR loan was nine and a half percent. So Jolie, mainly I was talking about just the loans that uh, like owner occupant buyers were getting. So like people that were going to actually move into the home. Um, those are kind of the rates that people have been seeing throughout this year. So that's, that's what I was referencing from 3% upwards of 7%, uh, you know, interest rates for the owner occupants here. So Let's dive right in. So if if you are in a situation, get situated here. So if you are in a situation where you are trying to, let's say you're entering into, maybe you're just getting started or maybe you're entering into a new market 
uh, and you're trying to establish a buyer's list, you're trying to build some relationships with people that you can get deals and sell those deals to somebody. So like in any business, this is the thing. If you were going to start a, you know, I don't know, a clothing line, or you're going to start a restaurant, or you're going to start, you know, whatever, I like the restaurant example. Let's say, for example, uh, you are, you want to start a restaurant, you cook like the best wings in the United States, like you have the best stuff out there when it comes to wings, and you're going to start a bar. And so, you're, you think, okay, I want to start a bar. What I'm going to go ahead and do is I'm going to go and start a bar in my favorite place, which is, you know, let's just say that, you know, it's in a rural area outside of Flagstaff, Arizona, like an hour outside the city, literally call it the middle of nowhere. And that's where you decide to start your bar. Um, you wouldn't, you know, it sounds kind of goofy to do something like that. If you, you know, starting up something with the intentions of it being successful and then starting it significantly far away from who your target demographic is going to be. And so, you know, in this example of like, you know, whether it's a restaurant or whether it's a clothing line or whether it's a service business or whether it's, you know, a product that you're creating, the thing that we all have to understand is the market is going to dictate on how well we're going to do based on the demand or the desire for the product or the service that we're going to be offering to the consumers. And so um, the reason that I wanted to bring this up is a lot of people, they get it backwards. They go and they just start working to get deals immediately. And they don't know what a good deal would be if it smacked them dead in the forehead. Because you don't know what buyers actually want to buy deals for in the market. So my suggestion, you know, what what finding finding out for you who your customer is going to be in the market that you're going to do business in, and then you could reverse engineer and then go after and find that product. You're essentially an order taker in in this, you know, real estate business if you're going to be selling deals just as you would be if you had a restaurant, if you had, you know, a clothing line or you had a service-based business, like your customers are your end buyers. Your customers are the people that are going to buy these properties from you as rentals. They're going to buy these properties from you as fix and flips or Airbnbs or development deals, whatever that may look like. That that is essentially what um what you have to, you know, really get this framed around in your head because what I find is there's a lot of people that they spin their wheels and they end up spending a lot of time wasting time going and locking up contracts that they're not going to perform on, getting sellers upset because they didn't know that they should have got the deal at a different price or different terms or whatever that looks like, right? So my suggestion, I'm going to give a few suggestions on, hey, how can you how can you find utilizing some just free ways to go and actually build a buyer's list? I mean, Eddie, Eddie's already jumping ahead here. He's saying, call and ask what they're looking for. It sounds simple, but a lot of people, they tend to overcomplicate this. Like a lot of people, they think they need to go and find this deal and then shop it to these buyers. So obviously at some point you need to be starting to have conversations, whether it's with real estate agents or whether that's uh, direct to seller to be getting properties under contract, whether you're going to buy them or sell them to an end buyer. So yes, that is important. But what I would do if I'm going to be going and starting in a new market or I'm just getting started, one of my first goals is to get five to 10 people on a buyer's list. Five to 10 people 
that can either buy the deal directly from me or they can help me sell the deal to one of their buyers. That is going to be my first things that I want to do in, in that market. So the reason for this is like Eddie Marin said here, he said, you got to call them and ask them what they're looking for. What you want to do is you want to be able to reach out to these buyers. And I'm, we're going to talk about some free ways to find these people. But I want to be able to call, you know, say I'm calling Eddie on the phone and I'm saying, hey, Eddie, you know, I'm, I'm starting a new relationship with him, right? Like if he's a, a buyer in the market and I've looked him up, I found that he has, you know, uh, has done some fix and flips or has some rental properties. You know, how I'm going to approach him is I'm going to, you know, give him a ring, say, hey, Eddie, my name's Cody Barton. I was calling you on, on your property I saw over there on 123 Main Street. And he's probably going to say something like, okay, well, what about it? What's, what's, what's going on? Well, the reason that I was calling is I'm actually an investor in the market, in the same market that you own the property 123 Main Street in. And I was just curious, are you open to buying any other properties right now? And if he says, yes, I yes, I am open to buying other properties right now, then you know that you have a customer. So now let's take the customer's order. I'm then going to say, okay, Eddie, that um, that's awesome. So what I'm doing is I'm I'm actually doing marketing in this area. And so some of the properties I'll be able to buy and hold myself. But, you know, if I get to, you know, too many deals, I can't buy all of them. So do you have an idea, you know, do you have a buy box that you typically stay within that, you know, uh, you can give me a better understanding of what you would want to buy and maybe what you wouldn't want to buy? And they're going to go on and say, oh, well, I only buy, you know, single family homes, townhomes, condos, three bed, two baths, minimums at this price point or below like going through kind of what they're looking for. And that's, you know, that's really what that conversation needs to look like is you get on the phone with them and you have the conversation around what is it that they're looking for? What's their criteria? If, if you had a deal today, how soon are they going to be able to close? And how, you know, if, if, they, uh, if they can close quickly, obviously, you know, taking note of all of these things so that, you know, when you have a deal that comes up, whether that could probably work for Eddie or whoever this buyer, you know, potentially is. And so the reason that I also mentioned, um, you know, doing this before you start going and getting deals in a certain market is because you're going to be able to understand what real buyers buy properties for. and what do I mean by this? So for example, right, like in Arizona, to, to give everyone an idea, a, a year ago, hedge funds were heavily buying in Arizona. So what does this mean? Well, hedge funds would pay 85 to 90%, sometimes even more of, of the value of the property. And so what happens in that situation is if I know that a hedge fund is going to pay 85 to 90% of what the property is worth, all I need to do is go get properties at 80% of what they're worth. And I'm probably going to make some money on the deal. Whereas say you go to a market like, uh, you know, there's not a lot of hedge funds buying all over anymore, but say you go to another market that's like, you know, I, I'm just going to pick on, I have a buddy Dylan that's in South Jersey, right? And in South, in in the in Penns Grove and these areas that he buys in, if I got a deal at eighty percent of value in his market, thinking that just because I do that in Arizona, I could do that in that same area, no one's going to buy it because there people are wanting to buy deals at sixty percent, sixty five percent, seventy percent, or less. 
of whatever the market value is there. And so these are the things that um, these are the things that you have to keep in mind, you know, where for those of you that, you know, you've watched a lot of YouTube, you've watched different, you know, gurus maybe talk about like you need to buy at certain numbers, you know, at a certain formula all the time. It's really not true. The, the thing that is true is you have to go and find what do buyers, what are buyers willing to pay and the market that you're going to do business in? Because buyers will pay different premiums in Arizona than they will in Ohio, than they will in Florida, than they will in Texas, than they will in New Jersey. They will buy at different numbers. So part of that is doing the market research and by doing the outreach to who are these customers, understanding if I go and find five to seven people in the market I'm going to do business in, and all of them tell me that they want to buy everything at, you know, let's say 75% or under what it's actually worth, then I know if I get properties under that, I'm going to probably be able to get them under contract and sell those to those investors. And, you know, adding on to the, you know, those core, maybe five, six different people, um, you know, RC is saying, Reverse wholesaling. Love that. That's exactly what you're doing here. You're identifying who your customer is, and then you go out and you find the order for that customer. So essentially, uh, you know, the reason I was saying finding five to 10 people is so you have a few different buyers that definitely have already closed on properties. They already own other properties. And then you also want to have a couple people in your back pocket that wholesale in that in the market that you're either starting in or that you're looking to expand in. And the reason for this is that they typically, um, you find somebody in that market that's doing multiple deals on a monthly basis, you're going to be able to, you're going to be able to find that they are able to help you potentially, um, one, understand what do buyers, what are buyers paying that they have on their list or who's in their network. And two, if one of your five buyers that you have in your, you know, your pocketbook are not interested in buying, what you're able to do is have them help you sell that deal to one of their investors. Typically in that situation, you're going to make a little bit less money, of course, but at the end of the day, it's about, you know, getting the experience, especially if you're just getting started or you're expanding into a new market. So just recapping this, and then I do want to talk about a couple free things that, uh, that you can do to build your list, to, to build this buyer's list, right? So one of those things, uh, one of those things that you can do is uh, utilize Facebook. So first of all, if, if you are watching this live and you are on Facebook and you are not in the creative finance with Pace Morby Facebook group, take a second to either screenshot it or, you know, whatever, go on the other tab on your phone or on your computer, go to Facebook, type in creative finance with Pace Morby, join the free Facebook group. And here is a sample post that I would give homework to you if you're looking to either get started building a buyer's list, or if you're looking to expand into a new market that you need to build a buyer's list in. This is just a quick free way to do this. So what I would do is I would go, uh, I would go, I would join the Facebook group. And then what I would do is I would introduce myself. I would go in there and say, Hey, my name's Cody Barton. I'm doing, uh, I'm doing marketing or I'm going to be doing marketing in the Phoenix, Arizona market. 
Uh, I'm looking to connect with investors that are actively buying properties to either fix and flip or buy as rentals, or that would be open to also buying creative finance deals like subject to or seller finance deals. I, and then you could segment it up and say, I'm looking to connect only with people that either are directly buying themselves, or you could leave it open and say, I'm looking to connect with people either buying themselves or are actively selling other uh, deals to other investors. So you can connect with real buyers and then you can connect with people that are joint venturing deals and, and selling deals to other investors. And then introduce a little bit about yourself. Hey, you know, I, I just got, you know, I just got started in this market. Um, you know, I'm planning on doing a couple different marketing strategies and, you know, I'm, I'm looking to connect with people that are looking at, you know, this price point or, or whatever that your plan is to do in the market that you're going into and just tell people a little bit about yourself. Tell them, hey, comment below. Would love to be able to connect if you're doing deals here. Get their phone numbers, get their emails, email them, call them, get connected with people um, and start building that relationship. So that's one way that you can start doing that. Another free thing that you can do to build your, your buyers list in, uh, in any market is you can use Facebook again and you could just go up to the search section when you're searching for groups and just type in real estate investors, Florida, or, or more specifically, let's say I want to go to Orlando. I would go real estate investors, Orlando, real estate, Orlando, uh, real estate agents, Orlando. Like I'm going to search all the different variations of real estate and the state and then the city that I'm, that I'm trying to, uh, to find, uh, you know, find these buyers in. And so the reason I'm going to do that is I'm going to find these, you know, local little pockets of groups. And I'm going to do that same post in those groups, um, as I just told you that I would do in the Creative Finance with Pace Morby Facebook group, so that you can start connecting with people there for free, of course. Um, that's just one of, you know, many ways that you can, you know, start building your buyers list. Another thing that I would suggest, you know, starting off if if you don't have the the funds to join a community like Sub2 that, you know, Pace's community, um, what I would do is, you know, utilize the Creative Finance Facebook group and be able to, you know, squad up, link up with other investors in your local market that you could do deals with. Like that's where I would be trying to spend all my time building my list outside of, you know, if you're local to the market, maybe going to the local RIAs and, and things that uh, that they potentially have there. Awesome. Okay. So just seeing a couple of questions coming through. Osway says, Hey everybody, anybody looking to help a newbie make his first deal? I'm willing to give 50% back of it to charity of your choice. That's pretty cool. Um, Josue, here's, I'm going to give you some feedback and coaching. So, and everybody should be doing the same thing. If you're trying to do a deal, nobody knows where the heck you live or where the heck you're doing marketing in. So what you should be doing is saying, hey, everybody, anybody looking to help a newbie make his first deal, I am trying to do a deal in, let's say, uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, and I'm doing this form of marketing. Who, who's doing deals here? Who can I connect with here? Like you got to be more specific. If you're going to post, be more specific about where you are, what you're trying to do. That is, that's what you should be focusing on so that you can let people know where the heck you are. So 
Beautiful. Yep, just just a you know a note worthwhile mentioning. Jonathan said, just watch out for scammers. Paces community def definitely the best out there. I would agree on this. Um, and what I would do is again like get introduced to people and vet people. Like if you're if you're gonna you know sell a deal to someone, like my conversation with a buyer when I'm starting a relationship like this, you know, years ago when I was you know first having to do this on my own. When I would start these relationships, I would vet them and I would look for the deals that they've already closed or I would ask about them in their market. I'd be like, hey, like what deals are you working on right now? What fix and like if they're a fix and flipper or they're a buy and hold renter, like, hey, you know, how many, you know, how many rentals are you holding right now? Like, what's your goal? Like, what are you trying to get to? I want to see, you know, what I can do to help bring those deals to you. Or, hey, you're doing, you know, fix and flips. How many projects do you have going on? What, how many crews do you have running on your flips right now? If they're buying properties to Airbnb, hey, like, what, what are you seeing in the Airbnb market with the Airbnbs that you currently have? Like, you could ask questions like that, that are not as, you know, aggressive of like, how many properties do you own? Like asking questions around how are your Airbnbs doing? At what point did you realize you wanted to scale and get more? Was it when you got one Airbnb? Was it when you had five? Like, you know, it's like you could ask these questions of people to kind of vet them. Um, somebody said, John said they rejected me from the Facebook group. I'm hoping I can get in there. Okay, so here's the deal. For the Facebook group, we ask everybody for their name. And, you know, there's like a couple other in introductory questions. And then there's like the email address. Like you have to answer those questions to get added to the Facebook group. And the reason we do it is every single day, even with doing the, the join the, you know, the group questions, we have people that try to scam people in the group. We have people that are posting scam deals. We have people from other countries that are just join and that post bogus stuff. So we added those questions and it really helps significantly reduce that, but we still have some people that do fall between the cracks as they come in. So you do have to answer the questions when you're joining the Facebook group to get accepted into the group. So that is just quick. Uh, so Jake said, I tried to join Yes. Yeah, so that if you do that, Jake, and you're trying to join the Facebook group, that is what will happen. And our team will be back in on Monday to approve anyone. So if you try to join today, it won't happen until tomorrow. So that is what I would be doing. So I'm going to give just, you know, this is just another, I just want to give a short, short, short nugget on how to have yourself look professional when you're giving it sending a deal to a buyer because i cannot tell you and i'm sure there's other people on here that do buy deals as well uh that they send the most garbage ass properties or deals over and they send something like this they're like hey cody would you buy one two three main street and I'm like, what do you want me to do with this? You sent me no information. You said, would you buy 123 Main Street? I'm like, I don't, I, what, what, like, what's the bed bath count? Do you have pictures of the property? What's the condition? W when is the close of escrow? Like, 
give me some details. Like, is it cash purchase? Is this like a creative finance deal? Like what, what are the terms here? Like, this is one of the, the biggest things that I see people, um, you know, this is one of the biggest things that I see people, you know, making the mistake, especially when they're newer is just sending no freaking information to a buyer. So I'm going to give you just some bare minimums. These are the bare minimums that you want to send a buyer, you know, like you can get away typically, you know, you can get away maybe with a tad less than this, but like to stand out to a buyer, at least, you know, having this information. So if you're going to send a deal, like this is what I want to see if someone's going to send a deal to me. So this is probably going to be similar to some other buyers. Um, obviously, depending on the type of deal, maybe a little bit different, but in general, give the address, of course, I mean, seems like a no brainer, right? But address of the property, 123 Main Street. I then want to know what's the bed bath count? Is this a 3-2? Is it a 2-1? Is it a 3-1? What is that? I can look up the square footage of it on my own. So I'll, I'd look that up, but the address, bed bath count, what is the price that you were trying to sell this property to me for? So if you have it locked up at 100, I don't care what you have it locked up at. I just want to know what is the price that me as the buyer, I'm going to be paying for this property. So send, you know, sending the, pro, pro, uh, the, the property with the purchase price that you're looking to get for the deal. So if it's 100,000, you're trying to make 10 grand, send it at 110,000. Perfect. Don't send me comps. Most buyers, I'm going to give you guys a secret. You should comp the deal to make sure it's not a trash deal, meaning comp, meaning like do an, an, an evaluation of like what you think the value would be after it's fixed up or, you know, what the rent rates are. Like you should have an idea of that on your own, but whoever your buyer is, they're going to do their own comps. Like anytime somebody sends me a deal and they send comps, I don't look at them. I've never looked at them one time ever because I'm going to be investing my money, my resources, my crew, my team my life into this deal, I'm going to do my own research. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do the comps. I'm going to see what, you know, what are the, uh, the other properties that are similar to this selling for. So I can come up with the value that I truly see this property to have. So you want to be doing a similar thing. I wouldn't waste your time trying to prepare all these fancy comps because most of the time real buyers, they don't want to look at them anyway. They're going to do their own research. And if you think you're going to like sway them because you sent them some janky comp that's like far away from the actual property and you're like, hopefully that one convinces them to buy it, then you're just doing bad business in the first place. And the last one is good pictures, meaning like don't take a picture like that's like as you're moving and it's all blurry and you can't really see anything. Buyers want to see pictures of the kitchen. They want to see pictures of the AC. They want to see pictures of the hot water heater. They want to see pictures of the electrical system. They want to see, um, you know, if there's, um, you know, the if there's a possibility, like what's the condition of the roof? Like, you know, what are the bedrooms look like? You know, just quick pics of those. What do the bathrooms look like? What are the condition of those in? Um, and any major type of repairs. So if there's a giant foundation crack that's going through the side of one of the rooms, probably taking a picture of that would be important because then the buyer is going to want, they're going to see that once they see it anyways, and they're going to be like, well, it was a foundation issue. So they're probably going to want to pay less. So those are just kind of the minimums. If you do not have pictures of the property, at least sharing a condition with them is helpful. 
because I, you know, I understand and, and most buyers understand that, you know, if, if you give them the address, you give them the bed bath count, you give them the purchase price and you give them, uh, you know, a condition like, hey, I haven't got pictures yet, but, you know, from conversations with the seller, it sounds like, both, you know, two of the two bathrooms need to be remodeled. Sounds like it needs a new roof. Sounds like the AC unit is okay. Sounds like, you know, just cosmetic updating in the rest of the house. Like that's going to be super helpful for a buyer to make a decision. And so the more you come prepared with this information, when you're actually sending a deal off to somebody, the better and the more professional you're going to look to the buyer and the more easy that, you know, you're going to be able to make that deal be because you're not, they're not having to chase you down for this information that you should have already got for them. And so what, what I would do, uh, so RC actually asked a question on how would you respond to a cash buyer asking what properties do you currently have available if you don't currently have any? So what I would do is I would say, um, if somebody, you know, if I'm on the phone, I'm going to use Eddie as the example again, I'm on the phone with Eddie and he's like, okay, well, uh, what, what deals do you have available right now? It's always great to be able to call buyers with deals. And so maybe you have a joint venture partner, you can call them and, you know, tell them about their deal. But if you don't have a deal, what you can say is, you know, the, um, the last property that I, you know, I currently have available, I just got sold, you know, in, in whatever city that their deal is in, or, you know, maybe the, the zip code. Um, I'm doing, a, I'm doing more marketing in this area. I've currently sold all my inventory, but I'm planning to add on additional marketing. Uh, you know, I'm adding more budget to my marketing right now, and I'm probably going to end up getting more properties than I'm used to. So what I want to do is make sure that I have relationships with buyers like yourself so that when these properties start coming up, I have people that I could go to. So I'm not scrambling last minute. So, I mean, just something as simple as that, like it's just telling them, Hey, I'm a professional. I'm going to be prepared so that when I do have deals, I have relationships like yourself that I could be sending these properties to. Oh gosh, Jacob saying, why are you sending me market deals at list price? I mean, my gosh, who, who here has had those, you know, trash deals that get sent at market value? Horacio uh, says, Cody, why don't you and Pace come up with a template of all the details you would need for someone to submit a deal so they aren't wasting your time? We actually have in the creative finance group, the criteria of what we will and will not buy and like what we want to see. Um, people just don't listen. Like people just still like DM us on Instagram and they'll be like, Hey, would you buy this? And it's like a picture of like the front of the house. That's like, has their like freaking finger over like half the house. And they're like, it's in Georgia. And I'm like, amazing. Where in Georgia? Like, I, I can't see the house. Like do you, what is this a creative finance deal? Do you even have this like under contract? Like, what are you trying to do here? Like just having, <laughs> having that information. Oh gosh. Yep. So new life Kenya says great nugget not to send comps again. Like people don't want to like true buyers don't want to waste their time comp, you know, looking at your comps cause they're going to do, they're investing their money into it anyway. <laughs> Dwayne says half their comps across state lines over the river through the woods and completely different structure. Yeah. People will be sending me like comps or like, look at this comp and it's like a freaking condo. And it's like, Oh, you're, dude, this is a, like, we're trying to compare this to a house. It's not the same thing. 
Oh, you guys are cracking me up with some of the those comments. Hitting me in my soul, guys. Oh. This is this is a good nugget just to mention. So uh, cause Christina said when running our comps, do we go back three months or six months? Jacob said, no, three months, six months is too long for today's market. I would agree with this 100% in today's market where we're in a market where inventory is rising as rates have increased. It is more important than ever to be sure on your comp. So for example, like one of the things that I I'm doing actively if, when I'm looking at a deal is one like Jacob said, I'm typically only going back about 60 days. Three months is like max for me. Like three months is as far back as I want to go if there's just not enough available to look at. Um, but typically I'm trying to look at two months to three months. And then I want to look at what's also active in the neighborhood already. How long are those typically sitting on the market? You know, how uh, I don't want to make this into a whole, you know, talk about comping properties. But in general, you know, for those of you that have been comping, or if you need help with comping, you could go to my YouTube channel and type in Cody Barton, uh, how you know how to analyze real estate deals. I have full in-depth videos going through um, how to comp. The only thing that would be different in the video that you'd see with me is just shortening the period of how long you're going back uh, to comp with. Oh, scroll down more. And Jacob said, try and find within 30 days. Yep, that's that's ideal. All right, what, what questions do we have all around how to either establish more relationships with buyers, dealing with buyers, challenges that you're having with buyers? Um, IB says, how do we join sub two? Um, I don't know if Pace has, uh, I don't know if they're opening for more students right now. I know they only bring in a certain amount per market. So I think it just depends on your market, but you could always, uh, you know, check and see if that's something that is available right now, IB. So Horacio said, Cody, is your entry fee based on your purchase price or ARV? So when it comes to buying a creative finance deal, so if we're buying a seller finance deal or if we're buying a subject to deal, um, typically in that situation, I'm okay paying whatever retail value is, retail value or less, as long as when I'm looking at the seller finance terms or the subject to terms, <coughs> excuse me, uh, that I'm going to be cash flow positive on a monthly basis. I want to make sure that you know, if my all-in monthly payment is sixteen hundred bucks a month, I want to be seeing at least nineteen hundred bucks a month or more in whatever I would be able to get for rent on that property. So, when it comes to you know uh, buying on a creative finance deal, more about what's the cash flow situation going to look like, and then the entry fee, you know, which includes like cash down to seller renovations. Uh, you know, all of the things with closing costs, all, all of that, you know, for, for us, like Pace and I, like we're typically trying to stay around 50 grand or less on a deal, but it depends on the deal. Like I'm working, uh, I have an agent that's been going back and forth with me on a fourplex here in Arizona. And to give you guys an idea on this one, right? So it's in Mesa. It's a deal that um, I would love to own. Pace and I would love to buy it and, you know, hold on to it. Um, 
but the seller might require, you know, 15% down. And I think the, uh, the purchase price is 600,000. So 600,000, a 15% down, it'd be 90 grand down. Um, we're at the end of the year. Uh, my tax bill sucks. Pace's tax bill sucks right now. So like that's 90,000 down. And then we'll probably spend another 20, um, doing some fix up to the property as well. Um, just kind of one of the units needs some, uh, to be renovated, to be turned for a new tenant to come in. And so like on a deal like that, like, okay, we're going to get four more units. We'll probably be into it for 115, 120,000. Yes, that's more than we would typically like to be at. But again, at the end of the year, we're getting tax, you know, we're getting depreciation on, for our taxes. And we're also getting ourselves in a situation where, you know, hey, we're adding another property to the portfolio. It's going to cash flow positive um, in a really good way. So it, it kind of just depends on, on, the, on the deal as well. And like the time of the year too. Like in January, like I still want to buy stuff, but like I am, if you have deals in Arizona, especially right now, you have subject to deals, you have seller finance deals. I'll put my, my Instagram here. Uh, Cody Barton official. If you get deals that are subject to or seller finance in Arizona right now, before the end of the year, I want to buy them. I want to save money on taxes. Obviously they need to at least be like reasonably cash flowing. Um, but again, like it's, it's going to depend a little bit based on time of the year and the market. All right, let's see what else other questions we got here. So David Bell says, do you deal with buyers who want to know how much you have the deal locked up for? No. Um, so one rule that I have, and this is like a, a line that I would always, if I'm talking to somebody I don't have a relationship with and I'm potentially selling a deal to them, one of the things I'm going to say to them is, and I'm going to use Eddie again as an example. Hey, Eddie, um, and, and before I go, like towards the end of the conversation, Eddie, before I go, um, whenever I get deals under contract, I'm either going to be buying those myself and some of those I do sell off. Um, you know, I do want to make sure because this is how I make my life, my living and my livelihood. Do you care how much, you know, are you going to have a problem if I send you a deal um, that works for you. It's at a number you want to buy it at. It's going to be profitable for you. You're going to be happy to buy that deal. Do you care if I'm whether I'm making a thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars on that deal? Are you going to have a problem with that? And if they have a problem with it, they can pound sand, and I will never talk to them ever again. I don't. You don't. I don't do business with people that are going to try to you know wedge down my, make me making my living. I won't do it. And if you have any buyers that that's their attitude is they want to know, I don't care if they want to know how much I'm making. Cause I have some friends that I've sold deals to. And, you know, I, I have one friend that we sold a deal to and, and the assignment fee was like $85,000. And like, after closing, he texted me, he's like, he's like, God damn effort. Like you made that much on the assignment. He's like, good job, man. That's freaking awesome. He's like, and I'm going to go make a bunch of money now to myself. So like we like can have a good time around it. And it's like because it still was a deal that worked for him. He didn't hold, you know, hold me, uh, you know, uh, to like, oh, well, you should make less so I can make more. Like that's just not the type of people you want to do. Uh, that's not the type of people that you want to be doing business with. 
if they're ever, you know, bothered by how much you're making on a deal, as long as it's still a deal for them, they should not care. And that's my attitude on any deals that I buy. Keith says, how do you pay a realtor when buying a creative deal? For example, there's a house that's been on the market for close to six months. The realtor still has the listing, but the seller wants full price. Well, so here's what you do. Obviously, you want to make sure that terms could potentially work on the deal. And then you negotiate with the agent. Obviously, it's not selling. They're not going to get a commission because it's not selling. So you, at that point, just see what you can do. Like, hey, you tell the agent you can get them paid. So like uh, we had a deal that we just closed about a month ago um, and there was an agent involved in it. And so his commission on the deal was supposed to be like 11,000 bucks. And so what I did is I just, I put in the offer like, hey, like this, we have available funds. We have $50,000 available for this project. So out of this $50,000, um, the seller wants $20,000. It had like arrears of like 15,000. It had some lean, other HOA assessment liens and closing costs and all of that. And there's only $5,000 left over um, for, you know, to, it was, it all added up to about $45,000. So there was only about $5,000 that I would, I was willing to allocate for this deal for any commissions on it. So basically how you have that conversation is, Hey, for this particular property, we have allocated $50,000. So to me, it doesn't really matter where all of that goes. If that goes all in your pocket as the agent, amazing. If that goes all to the seller, amazing. Like, however it breaks down, there's a certain amount of money that's allocated for this particular deal. So whatever you can work out with your seller on what they're going to be comfortable getting down, and then whatever commission amount that you're going to be comfortable with receiving is how this deal is going to work. So there's 50,000 bucks, doesn't matter to me where it goes, but that's what's going into the deal. And that's the conversation. It's just there's this is the amount of money that's going into the deal. Claudio says, do you care for properties on the market only under 20K, only 20K under listing, but as a proper deal nonetheless? I don't care what a deal, you know, what, a, how, if a property's on the market, off the market, if a if it's a deal, then I'm going to buy it. I don't care. It doesn't matter if it's a deal, uh, either on creative finance terms or cash deal. It's like, yes. Um, and right now we aren't really buying many cash deals. Like we're mainly focused on just buying creative deals as interest rates are so high. All right, let's see. Steven says, Cody, in today's market, are you discounting the amount of future rent or do you project they will stay the same in the next two to four years? Um, real estate is location, location, location. So where some might, markets might be seeing a reduction in, in rents over the next couple of years, I think generally, like, and I'm again, this is a general statement. I think generally rent rates are going to be close to flat over the next couple of years. I don't think there's going to be a significant increase. I think apartments specifically are going to see a little bit of a reduction in what they're going to be able to get for rent. I think it's absolutely garbage that apartments that, you know, have a studio apartment, you're paying $1,800. I mean, this is in Phoenix. So just, you know, outlier for, for, for you guys, but 
in Phoenix, Arizona, like an average like apartment now for like a freaking studio is like $1,800 a month. And I think it's literally ridiculous. So I think apartments um, probably will see some reduction in rents that they're going to be able to collect over the next couple of years. Um, but I think generally across the board, rents are going to be closer to flat. I don't, I think landlords have gotten, um, you know, very uh, excited about, you know, rent rates increasing drastically over the last couple of years. I mean, on ours, like a lot of our stuff that was renting for 1200 bucks a month, two years ago is now renting at 1800, 2000, you know? So it's like a lot of our stuff has increased. So we've benefited from it, but and at the end of the day, it's not going to be healthy, in my opinion, and in the opinions that me and Pace have together, we've talked about this, that we don't see it continuing to skyrocket for sure, and more likely to flatten out and depending on the market, probably see some reductions in rent. But at the end of the day, we did just see a significant amount of inflation these last couple of years. So I, I don't think that we're going to see a, a huge drop. Um. I don't think, think we're going to see a huge drop in rent rates. David says, "You what about Ohio? Are you buying there at all? No. Um, I am next year at some point, I am going to look at um, another like cash, better cash flow market than Phoenix, um, but not in Ohio currently. Another one, Natasha asking about the rents. I so so I'll just I can tell you what I'm doing. I don't have a my crystal ball is just as broken as each one of you that are listening today. Um, but I can tell you what I am doing is I'm underwriting on rent rates on anything that I'm buying here locally in Phoenix. Um, for what they are right now, if I know the area and I know the rents are going to be strong for based on the demand in the area, but. I'm going to be a little bit more conservative, maybe three to 5% um, under and seeing if I would still be okay in that deal. If it still was, you know, three to 5% less than what the rents are right now. So that's, that's what I'm doing. But again, everyone should have a little bit different, uh, different strategy based on the market that you're in. You know, some people are going to be, you know, are doing deals in San Francisco and that, you know, my, insight's going to be totally different. So markets, you have to be looking on what's going, um, going on in your market. All right. Roger said, is there a replay of this? This will, this is, this will be for your viewing pleasure forever. This is on YouTube for there's people that, you know, tune into Sunday service. We have 500 people between Facebook and YouTube's right now. Um, if you're watching on Facebook, you could always go to Cody Barton on YouTube or, uh, Pace Morby on YouTube and watch any of the past Sunday services as well. All right. Let's get a couple other good questions before we wrap for the evening, everybody. Raymond says, do you buy condos? Yes. Aaron Green says, I got a creative deal in Queen Creek. Send that deal to me. Cody Barton official on Instagram. Aaron, go find me on Instagram. Send me a DM. Send me the deal details on that. Anybody have stuff that they're trying to close out by the end of this year? Let me know. Your boy wants to buy. 
right. Um, and Horacio said, what are you using for accuracy of rent rates? So um, the best thing that you could probably do in your market is build a relationship with the property management company where you can have them help you uh, with understanding what rents are doing. But for for me, like I use the MLS and like I get access to the MLS, like the what a real estate agent would use in, uh, in the local market from either, you know, real estate agent friend or a relationship we you know build in a new market so that's that's typically what i'm going to use to find other rentals that have turned in that uh, local area uh joe is saying is 15 percent of purchase price a good entry fee for a sub two so i i mean the, what Pace and I are always going for is twenty-five to thirty thousand bucks. It doesn't matter of like what percentage of purchase price that is, Joe. Um, but at this time of the year, you know, Pace and I are typically willing to do a little bit more down to a seller um, because we can, you know, we're we're getting tax incentives as well. All right. Um, so. Quick question from says Facebook user. What is the difference between underwriting and analyzing a deal? Both the same. Those those are both the same. Um, you're underwriting or analyzing a deal, comping a deal. All of those things are one and the same. Uh, Zol, Zolficker, I apologize if I butchered your name there, says, should one use a property manager to manage a properties bought with creative terms? So, Here's what Pace and I have done is we've, as we grew our portfolio of buy and hold properties, we got a property manager involved um, and we are happy with it. Generally, I don't love the job that they do, but I think they do a good enough job. Um, all I do know is that when I was doing the property management with Pace's wife, Laura, and we did that um, a couple of years ago, like a few years back. And it was literally a special type of hell and I never want to do it again. I would rather not own real estate if I had to manage it. I have zero, like it is literally the worst type of thing that I ever have to do in business is deal with tenants. So as much as I could stay away from that, I will pay a property manager all day long. But I have friends that they manage all of theirs themselves and they do a great job at it. But I do not want to do that. I don't want to know who my tenants are. I don't want them to know who I am. I don't want I don't want anything to do with what's going on with their toilet, their roof, their anything. I don't want to touch any of that. Josh says, have you been able to create a finance a property owned by Open Door? No, they don't sell on creative finance up to this point. Anyways, they're just losing hundreds of millions of dollars instead. And uh, their CEO just stepped down actually last. I think it was last week or the week before. So open door is on the path to being closed door is what that's looking like. All the iBuyers, I think they're all going to get smacked. But a lot of people are going into the recession anyway, too. Spencer said, create, do creative deals work if the entry fee is 50, 60, 70K and anything above that is not a deal? Again, it's all subjective. Like, so let me give you a situation, Spencer, of like where I would pay for that. Let's say, for example, I had a, a let's say it's a fourplex. It's a fourplex and I'm buying it for $500,000 and the seller wants $120,000 down. I don't like that, but 
the seller says, I will give you principal only payments to the point where I'm going to positive cash flow 1200 to 1500 a month, but I had to put 120,000 down. I'll do that deal all day long. I'm going to get depreciation on the $500,000 purchase price. I'm going to be getting cash flow. And I did put over $100,000 down. So in that case, Spencer, it's really, it's the whole deal itself. Like you can't really like, you know, it, it's like, it's like saying like, you know, you it's like having a car, like if you had a car, but there's no wheels on it, it's like, well, it's like, it's a cool, it's cool to look at, but like, you can't really do anything with it. And it's like, if you just had the wheels, but no car, it's like, well, you got these wheels, but you don't have a car. It's like a whole, the whole package is what matters when it's a creative finance deal. Like what is the monthly payment? What is the interest rate? How much cash down? How much renovation? How long will the loan go for? Like there, you have to have the full package to really make sense of it. Like, obviously the less down on the entry fee is going to be more, the more buyers you have, like you have all the buyers in the world that a dollar down, right? Like a dollar entry fee. And then the buyer pool slowly gets less and less and less as you go to 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70,000, 80,000, hundred thousand, like down, like your buyer pool is going to get smaller. So just keeping that in mind. Um, Aaron said, what is my Instagram again? Cody Barton official. Send that shit, dog. Jacob says, self-managing sucks. Leonel says, special type of hell. It is. Like, if you want brain damage, self-manage. Or if you're the type of person that just can do it, bless, bless your heart because I can't. Ooh. Jacob says, two years ago on Christmas Eve, I had to drop a 24-hour notice because tenants left in the middle of the night. Place is a disaster. Oh, I feel that. Amazing. All right, gang. Well, I'm going to wrap it up for the evening. We are two weeks away from Christmas. So whatever you celebrate, we'll be back next Sunday. But... Um, it's time to work. We have through the rest of December, your January started right now. So what you're doing right now is going to determine what your results are. The fruits that you're going to reap in January and February come from the effort that you take in December. So now is the time to take the action, to make the change, to make a difference, to make uh, make your life improve going into the new year. Don't be the person that waits till January 1st. Pace and I are locked and loaded, taking action every single day. We are grinding just as hard as we would be in every single month, other month of the year. So if you're trying to make a difference in your life, take action through the rest of December so you can roll into a successful January. So with that, guys, have an amazing week. Take action this week, and we'll see you next Sunday. Oh, oh, oh.